Welcome back to This Week in Film. We're recording on a Saturday for the very first time. Can you believe it? I, I can't. Weekend I'm, edition. Yeah, weekend. It's, it's the new show we're doing called Next Week in Film. Um, uh, I'm Nick Panato, joined as always by Midwest Matt Lauer. Matt, how's Hello. it going? It's going all right. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, this is Good. the weekly podcast where we get together, talk about the movies we've seen over the past week. And Matt, you've been a little under the weather. Uh, I have. I saw a couple movies on the 4th of July, but then I saw a couple movies the other day because I wasn't feeling great. So and I think I was just home watching videos. I think what we'll do today is uh, uh, I watched uh, one movie called The Witch. I think we should talk about that first, and then we'll get into Matt Midwest Matt's movie marathon. Yeah, it's, I mean it's four movies. It's not a ton. But so many movies. It's enough. Yeah. Um. So if you haven't seen The Witch. You can just go ahead and turn the podcast off now. Whoa! <laughs> Screw Matt's marathon. Or fast forward. <laughs> or fast forward to Matt Midwest Matt's movie marathon, the quad quadruple M. Um, we're not going to tell you where that starts. So if you come in and we're still talking about a witch a lot, it's probably that first movie. Right. Um. So. I saw the movie The Witch. It's from 2015, which surprised me. I thought it was a, a more recent movie. But um, it's it's a movie that takes place in the 1600s New England with this family that's been banished from, I want to say, Salem, Massachusetts or whatever. Just some colony in uh, Pilgrim times. And, uh, and all the horrible things that happened to them. Uh I really enjoyed this movie, Matt. What did you think about it? Um, I, I'm glad I saw it. I walked away um, really happy with it in some ways, and kind of disappointed with it in others. Yeah, mainly the ending. I felt could like I, I was expecting something a little bit more, uh, a little bit more interesting. I mean, if if you see, now I, I won't get to the ending in terms of what it is right now, but I'll wait till we get there. But like. If you see it as uh, just sort of a, oh, here's what's going on kind of conclusion thing, it's fine. But in terms of it just being really brief and not very fulfilling, that's kind of that, – that left a little bit of a bad taste on top of what otherwise was pretty good. Yeah, I would have, I mean, to, I would have to agree with that. The ending – the movie wraps itself up real quick. Yeah. Um, so uh, I guess just getting into it um, – immediately in the movie it's revealed that there is a witch <laughs> like like immediately the movie it with a movie like this you'd think they'd play up the um the superstitious superstitious um puritan stuff with um things going wrong around the farm or whatever and they blame it on witchcraft and all that stuff but but the movie cuts through all of that stuff and just immediately shows you hey there's a witch or a crazy lady who lives in the woods um and the movie starts with such a horrible, um, the, the, there's a baby in the family and the baby's kidnapped by the witch and the lady murders the baby and turns it into like a bloodbath, literally a bloodbath that she takes. And, and the movie just kind of goes from there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it, was, it was a pretty intense scene there. Yeah. Um, uh, is it is it my memory now? As we know from the episode on the Little Mermaid, my memory is pretty good at giving uh, Matt's director's cut versions of movies to me. <laughs> um, 
But is it is it my memory or did that scene with her uh, dismembering the baby or whatever? Did it start out with her like cutting its penis off? No, uh, it looks like she's going to, but then she just yeah. kind of. Um, it's like the baby is naked and laying on a table in candlelight, and she like caresses its tummy, and then she puts a knife on its belly, and then it cuts away. Uh, and then the next scene is her just using a mortar, mortar and pestle, and um, mortar and pestle. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and uh, like just kind of grinding up what what appears to be baby blood and bones. It's it's really uplifting. <laughs> <laughs> but it does it does a good job at like it doesn't quite just like set the tone for the rest of the movie. Like the rest of the movie's not quite so gory. Yeah. But in terms of giving it a tone to start with, right. that kind of lingers. Yeah. It does a good job of like setting you in an uncomfortable place. Yeah, it does. And and on top of um so and then the movie cuts back to the the family and it's a father uh a father a wife uh a young son who's like 12 I guess uh an older daughter who's like 15 maybe uh and then they have these two twins that are like 4 or 5 years old and then the baby who gets murdered immediately um the father is like this hyper religious guy like he was he was so he was too religious for the Puritans in whatever colony they were in. Like they got banished for being too too into the scripture. Uh and they they set up their their homestead on the outskirts of this woods and everything kind of just goes bad from there. Um uh the one thing I would say that the movie really has going for it is is a lot of good visuals that stick with you. Um like the uh, like the, the baby murder scene sticks with you. Um, there's like a scene later where she like goes to milk the goat and there's blood. For whatever reason, that really bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, when, w- um, uh, what's the other part? Oh, and the the scene where the son come like wakes up right right before the son dies. <laughs> right before, right before the son dies, he like wakes up and has like that. F- freak out and he like spits out that apple out of his mouth um that really stuck with me a lot of a lot of good visuals and a lot of good um uh uh just good imagery the um the uh the other thing i would say about the movie that that i think is is really interesting is again because they because they reveal right away that there is a witch or a crazy lady out in the woods you don't you as as these people are living their their horrible life, like sixteen hundreds in America was just terrible, like just just like the way that they had to live in the um, like those drafty houses, you know that they had to build themselves, they had to go get water, you know, just like sixteen hundreds life, like how hard that must have been. Um, the uh, the movie, like all these cre- creepy, terrible things keep happening to them, but like as as like a a spectator you think oh, okay well i mean uh the goat being uh the the goat uh that she's milking that has blood coming out of it oh that's because the goat must be sick or something but but it's not it's because there's a witch and and the witch has cast a spell on them so like you keep trying to make um 
while these weird things happen to them that they're unable to explain, unable to explain, you keep trying to explain them to yourself. Like, oh, the kid, the kid woke up um, freaking out because he was like dehydrated and they let, had let blood out of him. And uh, but no, it's because there was a spell on him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and it might it, like you said, like the beginning having told you there's a witch gives you a, a certain sort of perspective where you find yourself arguing with it and doing that. Right. Like you said, kind of coming up with modern day sensibilities as to why that could really be happening. Right. And then kind of going like, Hey, wait a minute. I even know there's a witch. <laughs> why am I doing this? Right. Um, but then you start wondering, you're like, cause, cause the, the crazy lady out in the woods, like the, she's the witch, but when you still watch it, you still think, Oh, she could just be like some crazy old lady who lives out in the woods. Um, but, but the movie makes it makes it clear, like as it goes on, that nope, she's a witch. She's a witch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you can still argue with it. It's not like you have to be a witch to kidnap somebody, right? And I think, um, and I think that that argument that you have with yourself going back and forth as the movie goes along, and you can hear my kids screaming in the background. Sorry about that. Um, but um, uh, I think the the end of the movie. So uh, I guess we'll just get into super spoilers <laughs> there. But the uh, <laughs> The the end of the movie when the uh, when the daughter like has to kill her mom because the mom is trying to kill her you know like they they end up it's just a bloodbath anyway she like immediately makes a pact with the devil to become a witch um, I was like oh yeah right witches are real <laughs> this movie keeps <laughs> um, I kind of forgot about the mom yeah she's she's very. Uh extreme but uh the other thing i'd like to say is i thought that the acting in the movie was superb i thought that that everybody was really well cast and did an excellent job um the 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 main girl whose name is anya taylor joy i'm looking at the imdb for it i thought she was excellent the dad uh who was ralph innocent he he really like i really believed that he was like a pilgrim in the 1600s like he was full-on totally believable uh that they were living in this time period yeah i'll agree with that yeah he felt that way and 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 you're right that the young lady she's she's a good actress she was in split too and she was good in that oh, i still uh, need was, to, i still need to see that i was gonna watch that last week but then we yeah. watched um the witch As, aside from, uh, let me say this of the of the of the female actresses I guess the actresses of the female actors, she's really, she's the best. Okay. Um, the guy who's the main character, uh, James McAvoy, he's fine in it too. Um, but, but she does a really good job. Did you feel like in The Witch, they were putting a lot of effort into making her seem younger than she actually was? Uh, I don't know. I think, I, I think because the actress herself is like, gotta be pushing 20 or whatever. Yeah. Um, they kind of make it seem like she's just now entering puberty. Yes, and um, so I I thought that was a little odd. Uh, yeah, I, I felt like that took me a little bit out of it a couple times. Where I'm like, they're trying to make me think she's twelve or thirteen. Why not just cast a twelve or thirteen year old? Yeah, but it wasn't her fault. I mean, she was a great actress in it. Yeah, I did. I do agree that it was a little uh a little odd. Um, but yeah, that's really all. I I th- oh, you know what? I um, my wife had a question. Uh, and if you remember the movie. Um, what was the deal with the rabbit? There was like a well, rabbit I, that I don't even remember there being uh, there was like a rabbit that they were hunting and and it, the rabbit just kept coming back 
and we couldn't figure out like what was the symbolism of the rabbit. Hmm. I really don't know, and I and I can't remember there even being a rabbit, so I'm not sure. Oh, uh, okay. Well, hey, listeners, if you know what the deal with the rabbit was, please let us know. <laughs> um, hey, we could use your support. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I felt with this movie, like, and, and I felt similarly with the movie Hereditary, like, in general, I'm used to, and I guess I prefer my movies to either be kind of linear and, and build in a straightforward manner that's coherent, or to be broken up, but to come together in a really coherent way. Yeah. And I felt like the the kind of shape of it was a little more disjointed um, in both cases, but instead of kind of getting a sense that it didn't know what it was doing. It seemed a little bit more like it was just almost like a movie that was made in another country or something where they were just like, you know, we do things a little differently here. It doesn't have to be quite so structured. Mm -hmm. Um, And not everything has to be overly explained. Um, And, and it's, it it seems okay with me. Like I'd be, I'd be okay with watching kind of like with the Coen brothers, you kind of know what you're in for in terms of tone and stuff. And it's got its own feel. Yeah. Like, this would be, of course, it's nothing like the Coen brothers, but similar in that sense. Like, I'd be willing to watch more movies from them that have a little bit more disjointedness and sort of like things that could go down different plot roads, but really don't. What, what do you think? Um, or did it even feel that way for you? I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like that the, the first two acts of the movie were real really good at world building. Um, mm-hmm. like this is the world that they exist in. This is the world that, that, that we're going to watch them in. You can argue all you want, whether or not witches are real, real, but in this story, the witches, the witch is real. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the third act of the movie, when, when you could tell they're like, we got to wrap this up. Uh, I feel like a lot of it falls apart. Um, um, and then a lot of like, cause the, when, the father starts accusing his daughter of, of witchcraft. Um, like it, it's hard. It, you start thinking, Oh, this is how the Salem witch hunt trials happened. Um, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, it's like young girls that no matter what they said, no one would believe them. And then, and then the dad gets hit in the stomach by a goat. <laughs> he just gets, <laughs> you know, like, like every time you think, uh, Oh, this is, this is like, Oh, I remember, you know, like the stories about Salem, witch the witch trials, like they were, those girls were, were horribly treated and, and what an, what a God awful experience that must've been to, mm-hmm. to be burnt, burned alive. But, um, but, but this, they can't happen to this girl. Oh, right. Witches are real in this world. So you, you kind of keep going back and forth with that. Mm-hmm. And well, and I think in the end, it's like, you still, you still empathize with the daughter because she wasn't treated well, especially by the mom. Right. So it's kind of like, yeah, you know, you might be right about the witch thing, but she probably wouldn't have sold her soul, sold her soul or whatever, if it weren't for you treating her like junk. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so the message still holds: like, don't treat people like garbage. <laughs> but in this case, you're like, but they were right about the witches. They were right about the witches. Yeah. Um, so I guess that'll wrap up my my discussion about the witch. Definitely worth checking out. Um, I and I, I don't think any of the if you haven't seen it and you still want to any of the spoilers that we did really ruins the experience because it is quite an experience watching the movie i would recommend not not yet but i am going to spoil one of the parts okay um Um, 
I would recommend watching it with the subtitles on because otherwise it's like right, it's like trying to listen to um what's it the crucible um it. it's a play where like the guy says where they say goody goody good wife my my dear like all that's I know the play, but I never saw the movie. Is it like hard to understand their dialect, or it's it like that? Quiet. It's just that sixteen hundreds kind of dialect where where you can't understand what they're saying. Um, we watched it on uh, Amazon Prime, and uh, the the subtitles were clutch because otherwise I wouldn't have known what the hell they were saying. <laughs> I don't. I saw it in the theater, and I don't remember. I don't remember that part of the experience, but that's not to say it wasn't there. Oh, okay, um, that's interesting. I, yeah. I might have had a hard time. Um, but what I do remember, it was it, with the end, uh, it just seemed like, and tell me if I'm wrong on my timing here, but it seemed like it almost took like maybe five or six minutes. Like the goat attacks the dad, goat starts talking, girl goes into the woods and becomes a witch. Yeah. That's pretty much what happens. Okay. The, the, the last two scenes of the movie are, or I guess the last three scenes, like the girl and her brother and sister are locked in the shed for the night. Cause the dad doesn't know who's working for the devil. And um, the witch shows up in the in the shed, and then uh, the next morning the shed is like blown apart. The older girl's the only one there. The twins are gone, and the father comes out and he's like, "What the hell happened here?" And then the goat hits him in the stomach, and uh, and that apparently will kill a man. Uh, I had never been afraid of a goat until I saw that happen to that guy. I was like, Oh my God. Doesn't he get hit in the stomach, but then like a whole wall of like firewood falls on him. That's the second time he gets hit with the goat. The goat, the goat comes back for more. Um, (laughs) And then the, the daughter who just like watched the whole thing goes over to the father and is like, Oh my God. And then the mother comes out like with a knife, getting ready to cut her throat. And then the daughter gets the knife and kills her mother. And then she's like, I'm going to get naked and be a witch. Well, because she goes to the goat. They have this goat that the kids call Black uh, Black Peter. Yeah, John. Oh, Peter, yeah. Peter, I think. Um, And that was a red flag the whole time for me that these twins were were talking to a goat. Because I feel like like if you were super hyper-religious, you wouldn't let your kids do that. Like, it would be – like, that would be a no-no. But the twins are always talking to this goat. And um, and you think, oh, they're just talking to a goat because they're children. They have nothing else to do. Um, but then once everyone is dead, the daughter goes up to the goat and starts talking to it. And she goes, show show me who you are, did the devil. And then the goat starts talking to her. And then a guy with cool leather boots starts walking around uh, behind her and tells her to sign his devil book. And uh, and to take her clothes off, and she takes her clothes off, and then it's uh, off into the woods to join the witches' coven, which which yeah. which look like witches just dancing the metal music. And then she just floats on up into the air. Yeah, yeah. Her her cha- her turnover from from being a very pious young girl to being one of the devil's henchmen is really quick. <laughs> well, yeah, I know. It, it feels like she just kind of goes well. These people aren't doing anything for me, so all right. <laughs> yeah. But you don't you don't actually get to see and again I don't think this is a performance problem. I think it's it's more the, the structure and, and just not giving much time to seeing her compute that. You know, uh-huh. to really watch her think that through. Um you know, it's got that here comes John Grisham again for a third appearance. It's got that John Grisham feel where you're like, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna testify. I'm not gonna testify. 
Okay, I'll testify and it's over. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to be a witch. Okay, I'm a witch. I'm a witch. Um, well, and I will say this about the that in that sense, that's one of the things that Hereditary sort of has in common with it. Um, you know, one of my friends went and saw Hereditary and said that she wasn't really disturbed by the stuff that hit me so hard in the stomach. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but she said she was disturbed by some stuff that didn't really hit me too hard. So I'm like, maybe this is just one of those movies that sort of, they found a lot of different ways to really get to people and, you know, everybody, you know, there's something in there for everybody. Yeah. To, to get sick about. <laughs> so, so I don't know, maybe, maybe do check it out. Yeah. Um, we'll check it out if, when it comes out. Yeah. If you got through that part with the baby, all right, then <laughs> just prepare your, for yourself for something about three times as intense. Oh, great. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, all right. So that'll wrap up the witch, I guess for the third time. Um, <laughs> and it's time to start Midwest Matt's movie marathon. All play, right. play the music, Sam. <laughs> um, all right. So the first thing I saw was 12 angry men. Nice. With Henry Fonda. Uh huh. Um, not the Tony Danza one. <laughs> no. And, and to tell you the truth, I didn't know that Tony Danza was in that. And I, I thought that, uh, uh, who's that Martin Landau? Jack Lemmon. I thought Jack Lemmon was in it. Um, and he might be, but. There's 12 um, angry men in it. Yeah. Yeah, there are 12 slots to choose from. <laughs> um, so, plot-wise, you know, this, this, this movie about a jury um, trying to decide whether or not to uh, execute a young man. And within the, the stuff they're discussing, I mean, you, they, it's already happening when you get there. And all you're doing is watching them argue in a room for an hour and a half. And, and which is, you know, supposed to be an entire day for them. Um, and 11 people are convinced that the kid is guilty. The 12th guy is not convinced. He's not convinced that the kid's innocent either. He's just like, you know, before we send this kid to death, I, I'm, I, you know, I really need to resolve my probable doubt yeah. um, or my reasonable doubt. Was this your first time seeing it? It was. Oh, okay. It was. It's, it's a movie I'd been looking forward to for, for probably about two years now. I, I had heard some things about it and was like, oh yeah, I never saw that, but really got interested. Mm -hmm. I finally got around to it. Um, it's really well shot. Uh, I had heard this before and, and really noticed it and really appreciated that there are lots of, there are lots of long shots. Yeah where you kind of go from one person to another and sometimes you go through the whole room. And as far as you can tell, it is a small room. So you kind of really feel like you're there. Um, the performances are, are great. There's only, you've got, pardon me. You've got a few characters who are staunchly, um, I don't know if conservative's quite the right word, but definitely Republican in the sense that <laughs> things are now and their approach to things. Um, and so the, and two of them in particular, three of them rather, are very much caricatures. And one's got this obsession, obsession with baseball, and it's really annoying. Like every line he says is some sort of analogy, like some sort of like, oh, that was a that was three strikes. They're out, you know, like just, just using all these stupid phrases. Uh -huh. Um, but I, I actually felt like for the most part, the characters are really well done. The performances were great. And 
you get to see um, the the doubt that this guy has and the things that concern him kind of come together in a really gradual way. Uh-huh. And I really enjoyed that about it. I felt like the the writers had really they knew where they were going and maybe they worked backwards, but they they were able to lay things out in such a way that you can kind of transition along with people in the room who start to go, "Oh, you know, maybe that's a and it's not, it doesn't get ridiculous or anything. It's not like the guy starts going, hey, forget all the evidence. This guy is innocent. He's just like, hey, these things are really important to take into consideration. And I'm not going to say he's guilty when that's not convincing to me. Right. So I, th- I thought it was a really good movie. Have you seen it before? I'll take I, it yeah, I've seen it many times. Um, it's a great movie. And it's 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 kind of movie where you think, um, what's the best way to put this? Um, the reason, like figuring out what reasonable, well, I didn't really, I never really understood what reasonable doubt was until I saw this movie. And, um, the way the movie starts, uh, I feel like the Henry Fonda's character has unreasonable doubt. Um, like he's just looking for reasons to, to question the state's story against this kid. And, yeah, like um, almost like he just doesn't want to feel bad, so he's not going to put him to jail. Yeah, he says, "I'm not going to vote to put him in jail because I don't have, I I don't believe beyond a reasonable doubt that the kid is guilty." And I, and and as the movie starts, he he says, uh, uh, he you know he says that, and 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 he's like, "I don't know why I feel the way I do. I just don't feel like it." And and everybody's voting guilty except for him. And then as the movie goes along, he comes up with more and more reasons for why the state's case against this kid may be shoddy. Um, and then the the different characters have stuff that they they bring to the story uh, that that also build into the the reasonable doubt case. Um, I think when you when you watch this movie, you're supposed to put yourself in the position of Henry Fonda, where you're the guy who's like. Uh, I, I'm the one guy standing alone, uh, to, uh, to save a life, but, but I'm not so sure about that. Did that make any sense? I feel like I trailed off in the middle of three thoughts. (laughs) Are you still there? I don't think you're there. Oh gosh. I think we lost Matt. I'm going to hang up and call him back. Listeners at home, that static sound that went away was was the phone. We're going to call him back. It's ringing. Maybe while it's ringing, I can come up with a more coherent way of, uh, hey, how's it going? (laughs) Hey, it's pretty good. I could hear you. Oh, you could? (laughs) Sorry, listeners. I I put myself on mute for a moment so I could drink some tea without gulping in your ears. And, uh... And I forgot to unmute myself. And when you were like, are you there? I was like, oh, shit, I didn't hit that. So I was trying to, like, get back to that part of my phone instead of, like, in my notes where I had uh, the unmute and it just wasn't working. And I'm yelling that I can hear you. (laughs) And I'm still here knowing full well (laughs) that you cannot hear me. Anyway, I believe you were saying something. Um, Yeah, let me try and explain it a little more coherently. So... 
Now nah, let's just move on. Let's move on. <laughs> well, picking up there, like, um, I, I think that, especially given what you just said, because I think it's a really good point that, like, it doesn't start out with the evidence sounding at all like the guy is innocent. Um, I think, in a way, you're supposed to like Henry Fonda because uh-huh. he's kind of approaching things in a reasonable way in terms of, like, just being nice and saying, like, look, here's my concern, and I need to think it through. And it comes off, you know, he might not have reasonable doubt. It might be a little just a gut feeling. Yeah. But he approaches it well. And I think in that sense, you're supposed to like him, but you actually are supposed to be like, well, I like this guy, but listen to this evidence. And then as they go through things, you're actually more in the position of the other people kind of being won over a little bit. Yeah. And I think that's actually a really cool thing about the movie and also about that they do handle it in a way that is um, is Henry Fonda's character just being about caution and reason and not necessarily being against the death penalty. Like I myself am against the death penalty, but at the same time, he was trying to make real points, not just, uh, you know, about the, the trial itself, not just, hey, I don't believe in this, so... Therefore, he's innocent. I think another. I thought th- that was really smart. I think another thing that the movie really points out is the the flawed nature of our justice system itself, where the the people who are put on juries are basically put in charge of deciding people's lives, and and nobody ever wants to be on jury duty. You know, like like there's many characters like the baseball guy uh, in this jury. He just wants to get to the Yankees game. Like he, yeah. he's like, I don't give it, I don't care. Uh, I'm going to vote guilty because everyone else is voting guilty so I can get out of here. But, but, but what's at stake is a young man's life. And to this guy, it's just like, he doesn't, he doesn't care. And, and well, go ahead. Well, and there's even a moment with that guy. And I love this moment where he's like, all right, fine. He's not guilty. And, and Henry Fonda's like, no, 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 you can't just say he's not guilty because he's not guilty just because you want to leave either. That's not a good reason. Right, exactly. You, you need to go with what you actually believe. Uh, and, and then, well, anyway, I just thought that was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even, even the, the ending of the movie, and spoilers for this 50-year-old movie, 60-year-old actually, <laughs> Um, it's uh, but, uh, 1957. Yeah, um, they 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 all eventually vote not guilty um, by lack of reasonable doubt. But I think, but the, but you never find out was the kid guilty or not. And I think that's one of the uh, one of the things that you really want to know. Like, well, did the kid really do it or not? And you're like, well, that's not part of the story. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, even uh, in terms of that one scene, too, with the guy trying to change his mind and the other guy saying, no, no, don't just do that. One thing I think that is really cool about that and kind of poignant now is that it's not just about winning. It's not like he's like, okay, cool, as long as you vote not guilty, right. we'll win, and that'll be the end of it. It's like it's, it's more about integrity and a real process yeah, the, than it is about one side being right and the other side being wrong. And isn't there, there's a scene where um, the guy says, look, I'm not trying to be a contrarian here. If, if, if after everything we talked about, 
we, we take another vote. And if everybody still says guilty, I'll change my vote to guilty and, and we can mm-hmm. move on. And one other person um, says not guilty, which, which encourages the, them to continue discussing it. Well, and even that guy says, I said not guilty, so we'll keep talking. Not even because I'm convinced as of yet. But because this guy still is unsure and we should really process this through rather than rushing it right? just to have things done. It really brings in question like how, um, how a group of people like mob mentality of how, how people just want to get one thing done. So they'll the railroad whoever's in the way. Yeah. And another thing I love about it, and I'm realizing more and more as we talk about that, I really like this movie, like even more than I realized at the time. Um, is that you don't find out whether or not the kid did it or not. There's no right. sort of resolution. It's like, this is the way it actually is. You're making decisions without answers about what actually happened or what will come of it. You know, uh-huh. they, they do say pretty straightforward. They're like, the kid does not have a good record. It's not that the kid's perfect. And this is just one of those movies where they're completely innocent and you can feel for them the whole time and just be like, oh my God, some accident happened. It's like, this is messy. Yeah, And you don't know what's going to come from it. And you have to make decisions in a thought out way rather than just based on, you know, winning and losing because it's still going to be ambiguous later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very good movie. It's, it's a kind of movie that makes you think an awful lot. Yeah. Um, I'd highly recommend it. I think it gets a little heavy handed with like the racism and stuff in it, but it's for 19, mm-hmm. for 1957 for them to, to even be addressing racism in a, in a court case, I think is, is uh pretty progressive. Yeah, I thought so too. And I don't, and I think it's heavy handed in a, in a sense of like wanting more subtlety. Um, but I wouldn't even say it's heavy handed compared to stuff that comes out now. You know, it's, it's more heavy handed than I would hope it would be this day and age. But even, you know, if, if someone's thinking about watching it and they're like, oh, I don't want this to be too over the top, I'd say it's still better than your average, you know, qu- quickly spit out movie by Hollywood. There's a there's a moment when the, the racist guy is like talking about like where, where he finally lays his cards on the table and he's like, well, he's guilty because he's what is the kid, a Puerto Rican or a Mexican or something? Uh, I don't a remember. Latino of some sort. Yeah, where the guy starts, the guy starts rambling on about how every one of his kind is a problem, and they all need to be um, taken care of. Where where everyone around the table slowly turns their backs on him. Yeah, um, that's true. and then by the by the time he's done talking, he he realizes the all the hateful stuff that he's been saying, and that that always kind of bothered me. Where where. Really, but because it's when he's done his rant that he goes not guilty. Um, that that bothers me a little bit because somebody like that wouldn't wouldn't change in a moment. But the movie's got to end, you know. Yeah, it's it is a little too neat and clean. And also in this day and age, eleven people wouldn't turn their back on him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I doubt they would have then too. Um, a little production stuff. Um, that I that I know about the making of this movie. Did you notice while you're watching it that when the when the movie starts, um much of the the shots that you see come from an above eye level angle and as the movie goes as the movie goes on and on the camera gets lower and lower until at the end you're looking up at the characters you know i wouldn't have put that into words but there was a shift in how it felt yeah. that i think did go with that so yeah. i'm going to say sort of yes you can really you can really feel it's an important element 
you can really feel how um uncomfortable the characters are in the movie too like because it's like a 1950 there's no air conditioning they've got this one little fan in the room and they're all like crazy hot and there's 12 angry men in a room who have to decide the outcome of one person's life yeah you feel sticky and you feel like you want to get out of the room yeah. while you're watching it. Like the, there's a moment when um, the baseball guy's looking out the window and it, it has started raining, and they get, and the, I think it's Henry Fonda says to him, "Well, you wouldn't have there wouldn't have been a game tonight anyway." And mm-hmm. when the rain is falling, like you feel cooled down a little bit, and I think that's that's when things are starting to cool down in the room, like tempers aren't as agitated and 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 um, the people aren't fighting each other as much. That, but then they th- have to shut the windows because <laughs> it's raining. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but you can feel like a, a release of tension in that in that rainfall. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to the next movie in your um, miserable marathon. Since you were sick. <laughs> no, no, no. This was the Fourth of July day. Um, oh, okay. So this uh, the other one that I watched that day. Was uh, was Tombstone? Yay! This movie stars Kurt Russell, Val Kilmer, Sam Elliott, uh, uh, Michael Bean, Powers Booth, and uh, Sam Paxton, and Thomas Hayden Church, Sam and Dana Paxton? Delaney. There's a Sam Paxton. Am I getting his name wrong? Bill Paxton. Bill Paxton. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure if there was a if there was another uh, Paxton out there. <laughs> No, no, no. It's another Bill. Uh, Bill Paxton, Dana Delaney. Um, and it's it's a great cast. I mean, they're they're like... This movie is just like perfectly cast. Yeah. And I don't even... I don't... You know, I never really was much of a fan of Bill Paxton. Um, I think for the most part, I like Kurt Russell a lot. There are some times where I don't, but it's, I think, usually the movie he's chosen. Uh-huh. Um, but I felt like everybody was put in into their perfect parts. And I don't even know what the guy's name was who played Ike Clanton, but that guy was perfectly cast too. Steven Lang. Oh, I'm I'm looking at it. I I kind of assumed. (laughs) (laughs) So something told me you didn't just have that guy's name in your head. I'm always thinking about Steven Lang. Steven Lang. He was great. He was great in Avatar. Oh man. He plays the Colonel. Oh crap. Wow. Is that for real? Jeez. You would never would have guessed. I never would have guessed Hang that. Hang on now. I got to look, make sure he's not just some other. Uh... Yeah, he plays the, the bad guy in Avatar. Wow. Wow. He got checked. Yeah. All right. Interesting. <laughs> Good job, Sam Lang. Really disappeared into that role. <laughs> All right. Um. So, so okay, so this movie I've seen a million times. I know we've even talked about it on here a couple times. Uh-huh. Um, I love it. Um, it's probably my favorite Western movie. Uh, I come back to it time and again. And what was really awesome is this is the first time I've watched it with anyone who hasn't seen it before. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, and I watched it with my girlfriend and her mom and her dad. Now, her dad had seen it a bunch of times. I don't think her mom had seen it before, and she had never seen it herself. Uh-huh. So, um, you know, it's kind of like the experience of watching The Room, but <laughs> instead of watching people respond to really terrible lines delivered badly, it was watching her respond to, like, excellent lines 
delivered perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> especially by Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um, Val Kilmer just, steals the show. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I mean, they're just, I mean, even, even um, Kurt Russell has some really great lines that are delivered really well. Like yeah. when he, oh yeah, Billy Bob Thornton's in this. By the way, you wouldn't recognize him when you see him. He is? But, uh, yeah, he's the chubby guy at the table that Kurt Russell walks in is like, you know, he's like beating people up and stuff and screaming at people. And Bill, uh, Kurt Russell comes in and he's like, pulls him out by the ear. He's like, all right, youngster, you get out of here. Oh, that's Billy Bob Thornton? No way. It is. It is. Cool. Um, this movie and like, keeps that's a giving. great scene. Um, Sam Elliott has some great lines. So, so really there is a lot there, but Val Kilmer does, does truly steal the show. Um, but the bad guys too, you got this huge clan of cowboys mm-hmm. and between powers booth, Michael Bean, what, whatever that guy's name is that you just said, who was in avatar and Thomas Hayden church. They've got a lot of like character and charisma to them too. I mean, they're not good people, but they're interesting Oh, and Jason Priestley's in it. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, man. It's such it's such a great movie. And and um, yeah, watching somebody watch that for the first time is a great thing. If you can find someone who hasn't seen it, don't just tell them to go watch it. Watch it with them. Really? Okay. Because it makes all those fun scenes even better. When Val Kilmer's like, "I got two guns, one for each of you," uh-huh. and you get to hear somebody else laugh at it because they've heard it for the first time. Uh huh. Or seeing him do that like thing with the cup where he's spinning yeah. around like a gun. Yeah. Like it's just perfect. So that's that's well, there are some okay. Yeah, keep going. So there are some things about this movie that somehow, even though these things aren't perfect, the movie still is. Uh there are some montages. And some interesting things are done in these montages. There are a few a few decisions with things like slow motion and some montage shots that are a little weird. Like there's one scene in a montage where, uh, where, um, uh, by the way, this movie's about Wyatt Earp. <laughs> <laughs> it's about Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and people. Um, the okay corral. And where Wyatt Earp is like going on his killing spree when he's finally like been tipped over the edge. Yeah. And there's one scene where he's just walking at the camera, shooting at it. Yeah. It makes no sense. <laughs> it's the dumbest thing in the world. I don't know why anyone would decide to do that. There's also a scene where he walks out into the water and he's, he's shooting in, in the middle of a, a like crossfire going on around him. He walks out. That's where he's going. He's going. Gun. He keeps no, yelling no, right? No. Yeah. And then... Uh, I think it would be effective without the slow motion to have him just saying no. But then whilst a guy's pulling a gun on him, a, a, a tested cowboy hip shooter is pulling a gun on him. He's got time to go. No. <laughs> and raise a shotgun to his shoulder and shoot the guy. I mean, they're like six feet apart. He could just blast him from his hip. Yeah. Um, so there's that. And that's kind of weird. Um, and then there's another weird slow motion shot where, spoiler alert, uh, Bill Paxton, also known as Sam Paxton, <laughs> is um, he's been shot in the back and he is like sliding off the side of a pool table in agony. Yeah. And it's all in slow motion, except for the last like two seconds. It's like he's sliding off in slow motion and all of a sudden it goes back into regular time for no reason. And it's really weird. So, so there are these weird things like that that happen. 
But overall, the movie is fun. It's exciting. There's really not a whole lot of downtime in it. It has a sort of romance plot that doesn't necessarily need to be there. Yeah, the romance weren't there. Like I wish but, I could watch a cut of the movie with with the romance just gone. Yeah, I I do too, but I also I I do because I don't like it, but I also kind of want to see it like that to see if the movie still feels the same. Like without it, maybe it would just be too much gritty action. Right. I'm not sure. Well, I think um one of the things about the movie or the Wyatt Earp character is that he moves to Tombstone to retire. Um, and I'm reading, I'm reading the log line of the movie where like he plans to retire anonymously and then, and then he gets drawn back into the world of gunfighting. And um, it's the story of a man. It's like John wick where like a guy who wants out, but keeps getting dragged back in. Well, and maybe she does need to be there then for that love plot, because at the I mean, it's a real story they, they did get married. And at the end of the movie, he does get to retire and get married. So, yeah. And that would be a little weird if she wasn't in the movie elsewhere. But but it is it is definitely the corniest part of the movie. Yeah. Is the two of them. Um, there's a there's a scene um, where they're all riding uh, like off in the sunset. Um, like this during like one of the montages and there's a yeah. wide shot of, of Wyatt Earp and his posse riding around. Yeah. Um, and this is like a little thing I read on the, f- uh, film details, movie details subreddit where, um, the shot is like extra wide, uh, uh-huh. because there's four guys with Wyatt Earp in the middle, uh, on the left. And then on the right, there's like space for two more people. And that's supposed to be for, uh, his brothers that are dead. Oh, oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Well, one of them's dead. Well, I thought both of them. Oh, because his one brother is dead, but the other one is wounded and he can't go with him, right? Yeah, he he went off to uh, to California, where he did eventually become a sheriff or something. Anyway, really, but um, yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, he's not with them. He he leaves on the train, and while he's leaving on the train, one of the cowboys tries to shoot him, and Kurt Russell or uh, Wyatt Earp shoots the cowboy Is that- and that's when it starts that's where he's like all right <laughs> you called down the got- lightning you got the thunder <laughs> no 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 you called the thunder and now you got it <laughs> and hell's coming with me you hear i see hell's a- coming with me. i see a red sash i fire uh it's still the man wearing it it's i've said this before but it's a movie that sh- on so many levels shouldn't work like it should, it's, it's so corny and so terrible that it that it shouldn't work, and yet it it's it's so perfect. I well, and that's where I think the casting is so absolutely important mm-hmm. because there are lines where I'm like, I wouldn't be able to deliver it that way, but good job, Kurt Russell. Yeah, you pulled it off. Um, the movie had a troubled production, uh, if I recall correctly. I think I think the director of the movie got fired or something, and then Kurt Russell ended up directing half the movie. Well, he did a good job, other yeah. than the weird slow motion. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, do you have anything else on Tombstone? Nope, not really. All right, what's next? Oh, my. Um, well, I also watched... Now, I don't know if you've seen this yet or not. Now, once I was sick, okay, I was at home with uh, with t- uh, tonsillitis. I watched uh, Kingsman: The Golden Circle. Is that the second one? It is the second one. I have not seen the second one. All right. Now, 
you know, you and I had shared this, I think, when we were coming out of seeing Spider-Man Homecoming, that both of us really enjoyed the first Kingsman, but neither of us are ever in the mood to watch it again. Right. And that, I think, was my attitude towards the second movie. Like, it was in the theater, and I'm like, oh, I should see that. But I just don't want to. <laughs> and then it came on HBO, and I was like, oh, good, I can watch it now. But I just don't want to. So then I was sick. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on some stuff on the computer and put this on. And if it's worth watching, I'll look up. And if it's not, I won't. Uh-huh. So I put it off for quite some time, expecting it to be pretty subpar. Uh, but it was par. <laughs> so, <laughs> really? I, uh, yeah. It wasn't as good as the first one. Um, there wasn't... I think they tried a couple times, maybe a little, like halfway, but there wasn't any scene like that big, awesome scene in the church in the first one right. where, uh, what's the guy's name? Colin, Colin Firth, Firth like, yeah. kills everybody. Yeah. Um, but the tone still had that kind of quasi-fantastical tone, um, and that was enjoyable. And uh, it, some of it was pretty much a retread of the first one. Like, for instance instead of it being cell phones that were going to drive people to kill each other and stuff, uh-huh. there's like a, a drug plot. That's pretty similar. Like it's very, very similar. Uh-huh. Um, and so, I mean, I won't say a whole lot more than that, but it's, uh, especially since you haven't seen it, but that part's a little like, okay, this is a retread. Um, and it's got those like Deadpool kind of effects where you're like, okay, I think it's on purpose that these effects are bad. Um, sometimes that could take me out of it a little bit. Sometimes it was fine. Uh-huh. Um, Elton John is in this movie for some <laughs> reason. And, and I don't mean like he makes a cameo. I mean, like he's probably like sixth to build. Um, and it's not good. It's not good. Really? Um, but, uh, no, it's really dumb. It's really dumb that he's in it. Julian Moore's in it. Um, it's got the same people from the first one and, uh, Channing Tatum's in it. Um, who, like, I never thought I'd like, but I kind of like Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum I in spite of that expectation. I, I completely agree. I Every- feel like he's got no face. <laughs> like he's, there are no details to his face. <laughs> um, and it irks me. It makes me a little uncomfortable looking at him. Um, but, but otherwise he's actually, I think he's a good actor. I think he, he deserves some credit. Okay. Uh, I, I have don't you have much seen, more to say about. Have it. you seen the Twenty One Jump Street movies? I saw the second one and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Oh yeah, the first one is, is even better. I've heard that. Yeah, um, but those are the movies that made me turn around on Channing Tatum, where I was like, "Oh, you know what? I like this guy. I like this guy a lot." Yeah, I think that's the first thing I saw him in, and I was like, "Oh, or no, no, no!" I had seen GI Joe, but I mean, the whole movie was forgettable. <laughs> um, but then I saw that, and I was like, "Oh, okay, this guy's. I kind of like his." Uh, I like the humor vibe he's putting off here. He's cool. Um, and, and since then, I might have seen him in one or two other things, and he's been fine. All right. All right. And then what? Kind of like Chris Pine. I didn't expect to like Chris Pine at all. Um, and I still don't. Like, if he's in something else, I'm still going to expect not to like him. Right. But then I will <laughs> because he's just a charming dude. Yeah. He, he wins you over every time. Every time. That's, I love his Captain Kirk. I think his Captain Kirk is terrific. And he was great in Wonder Woman. Yeah, 
Exactly. Wonder Woman's a movie that's that lived and died on the relationship between him and Wonder Woman. I I think it, it could have died without her. I think without him, it would have been less good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. she, she can still win me over just by looking at the camera like she does. And and I, can't, I can't deny that. What uh what was the final movie in your uh marathon? The final movie in my marathon was Predator. The original? The original. Nice. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I love this movie so much. Um it's it's fun. It's uh pretty gritty. Um, but it's just, it's one of those, it's kind of like Jaws. It's, it's perfectly paced, Uh um, where, you know, you, you find things out and you get to see enough and you get to see people responding to like what's going on in a really good balance for the length of the movie, Uh um, for the, the subject material. Like it doesn't get into any big, deep subplots for some reason. There's a bit of a. Like, oh, these guys were here on somewhat false pretenses. It's it's a bunch of dudes who are like a specialty um, Merc team, I think, um, who are uh, – they go on rescue missions. Uh-huh. And Arnold Schwarzenegger says at the beginning, like, you know, we don't do assassinations. That's why I turned down some other job. We do rescue missions. Um, and then Apollo Creed goes with him <laughs> uh, against his will a little bit to go on this mission and then they find out like, Oh, Apollo Creed had been keeping some stuff to himself. His real name's Carl, Carl Weathers. Right. Listeners. Um, Apollo Creed. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, but it's not really, it's not important, but it also doesn't really get in the way, you know, like a lot of those subplots, if they're not necessary, end up being big hindrances. Uh-huh. In this case, it's just sort of like, eh, who cares? All right, whatever. Yeah. Um, it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. It's The movie's not about them being there doing political stuff. It's that once they're there, it turns out, and this has nothing to do with the subplot, but it turns out that there's some sort of creature from outer space that's right. like hunting people for fun. Yeah. And so, it's, it's, so it doesn't get in the way of that. It's it's a, it's a movie that it starts off as just a movie about um, uh, like a mercenary team taking on drug runners and and rescuing hostages and then all of a sudden there's an alien in it and it turns into a completely different movie. Yeah, it's like the, even the characters in the movie are like, "Wait a second, this isn't the movie we were making." <laughs> yeah, they're like, "Dude, I thought we were only going to fight terrorists with guns. You didn't say there was going to be an animal." <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um so and and there's some cheesy stuff in it. You got some some key lines like you're one ugly motherfucker and I ain't got time to bleed. Um and get you got to one the character. Get to the chopper. Yeah. And it's impossible to hear that without saying it back to the TV uh-huh. side. Um and you got one guy who's walking around singing uh I'm going to have some fun tonight. Uh-huh. Um, and so, and, and one guy who's doing like raunchy jokes, but, um, I guess that's not really, there's, there's nothing, uh, quintessential or whatever about those lines. But anyway, <laughs> um, it's, so it's got cheese, but it's good cheese yeah. <laughs> and it belongs where it is. Uh-huh. And, and this is another movie that I think is perfectly cast. 
Yeah. Like I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, he delivers a couple lines that are kind of like, ew. But <laughs> but it doesn't matter because he delivers the other ones perfectly. And, you know, some of it might be nostalgia. I'm willing to admit that. But I've seen some things that I have nostalgia for and can feel some disappointment. Like, oh, I kind of wish I hadn't watched it again because it takes away a little something. Right. This is not that way at all. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what movies like used to be like. <laughs> it's like Die Hard. It's, it's great. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't imagine it with, with other people. And I don't just mean Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, I think the guy with the glasses, Carl Weathers, um, Steve, what, is it Steve Ventura? Uh, 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 shit. Some, something, the mind Ventura. Jesse. Uh, Jesse, oh, okay. Jesse Ventura. Okay. So he, he was great for the little bit of it that he was in. Uh-huh. Um, and this is another one of those examples of a movie where it has some imperfect elements, but as a whole, it's perfect for what exactly what kind of thing it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, like uh it's 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 not trying to be anything else. It's not a drama. Um and if it were measured by those terms, it, it wouldn't be great, maybe, because it's just not having that. Uh-huh. But for like a simple kind of mysterious action movie it's totally on point um it had a troubled production too like the the monster that they had was a totally different looking monster for a while like i think oh, they, no. i think they shot like half the movie with with a different monster and then they're like this thing is not scary at all uh and then they oh, had to, i have to look this up right now and see what this thing looked like i don't know if they're yeah try and find it but um, they 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 went back and then they came back with the uh, the monster that they have um, with the dreadlocks and everything. And I guess on set it didn't look scary at all. But then the way they shot the movie around, like uh, like like you're saying with Jaws, where 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 the less you see of the monster, the scarier he is. Uh, yeah, because I think that's the problem with with the the other Predator movies. What? The, I think that's the problem with the other Predator movies is you see too much of him. Like he's just he's just ugly, and and the dreadlocks look terrible. <laughs> okay, so I'm seeing some pictures here. I I looked up the following phrase. Okay, I look original up right creature too. design. All right, I looked up original creature design Predator. Original and it looks creature like Predator. Oh, it auto-completed it for me. Oh, my God. <laughs> on, on paper, on paper, you might describe the same thing while it's got its mask on. But in reality, it looks like kind of an anorexic weasel. <laughs> it looks like a dinosaur, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not. <laughs> yeah, see, get to the picture where it's standing next to one of the, the people, one of the combatants. Are you doing... Uh... I think it's Carl Weathers standing right next to Carl Weathers where he's got one arm. It looks awful. It's like a big salamander. I don't see it. I could see oh. I could see like there's a picture of him standing in front of a like it looks like a, a bunch of storyboards where he looks he just looks like a dinosaur alien. Like if an alien if a dinosaur became an alien. In my search engine, this picture is the eleventh picture. But anyway, point is it doesn't look good. I'm really glad they uh, they went with the uh, crab face guy. Sometimes it's better to go back and get it right. 
Yeah, true. Uh, but that's it. That's all I got on Predator. Okay. Well, thanks for taking us on the journey that you took through while you were feeling under the weather. My pleasure. Under the call I mean, weather. Not the sick part. Ah, well done. Um. Yeah, Predator is just a great movie, I, uh, and I always want to watch it. Yeah, too bad none of the movies with the Predator after that are any good. <laughs> right. Alien versus Predator was fun. It was fun, yeah. Um, Leave it at that. The new one that's coming out, I only have any hopes for because um, Shane Black wrote and directed it. And what's uh, what's his uh, what are his highlights? Uh, he he did Iron Man three. He wrote and directed Iron Man three. Um, he did. I'm going to pull him up right now. Shane Black. He did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He wrote and directed oh. that. He wrote and directed The Nice Guys. Uh, and, oh, I love that movie. And uh, I think he wrote Predator too. I don't know. I'm not Second sure because I know the guys. Whoever wrote Predator actually wrote Predator Two also, and that oh, was a okay. terrible movie. He wrote The Last Action Hero, which is a great movie. It's totally underrated. <laughs> I love Last Action Hero. It is underrated. I I agree on that. I don't know if I love it, but it is underrated. Um, I think I think people just weren't ready for sort of like ironic satirical stuff with action. Yeah, it's a it's a movie that I think was completely mismarketed. Yeah, if you were to watch it now, after say like watching a movie like The Other Guys, uh huh, and then going back and then going like, all right, now we're gonna go a little old school and watch Last Action Hero. I think you'd have people in the right mindset for it. But back then, they were probably looking for like another Die Hard or something like that. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Well, I think that's going to take us to the end of our show today. Cool. Cool. Um. That's that's the end of the reel. All that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt, anything you want to plug? Uh, anything you want to no. alert alert our listeners to? If you haven't gotten around to that perfect circle album, check it out a few times. Oh, I still haven't listened to it. I need to get on that. All right. I'll just um, keep plugging that until you finally do. Okay. When yeah. your listeners start sending you messages that are like, watch it so Matt can shut up, <laughs> then I will. All right. Um, I hope you enjoyed hearing my family in the background of this podcast the entire time. Sorry about that. I've got four kids. No, I bet kids. your mic cuts it out. I got four kids and they're they're noisy. There goes one now. Except for that part. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but if uh, if that's the end of the reel, we'll see you next week in film. Bye now.